Are you suffering from back pain? Well, I've got the thing just for you. 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, volume 1, available at Amazon.com. Over 30 million Americans are suffering with back pain at this very moment. The vast majority of these cases are either caused or exacerbated by common lifestyle factors. Many of the same factors may be causing you pain right now. Join board-certified physician Andrew Kirshner as he guides you through the parts of your life where these problems occur and gives you simple, safe and effective solutions for these common daily pitfalls. In this fun and informative book, you will learn how to identify the aspects of your life which may be causing you pain, how to create a back-friendly environment, how you can improve your pain by improving your sleep, ways to make a pain-free commute, how you can perform daily activities without making your pain worse, and much more. Andrew Kirshner is so well respected in the field of back pain relief. He has you know, famous clients such as DJ Jazzy Jeff. He has done uh, many talks and lectures at universities in the UK. He has appeared on QVC demonstrating back pain relief products and that is because he is an expert in his field and people trust him. Also check out the 5 star reviews on Amazon.com. This is the book that you need if you suffer from back pain. That's 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain plus 192 others just in case volume 1 available at Amazon.com in paperback. Check the link below the show for more information. Just when you thought that there were already too many podcasts in the world. Here comes another one. Welcome to yet another episode of Pablo's Pop and Podcast. I hope everyone's doing okay. It's Easter, yay! You know, I, I'm not really religious. I'm all about the chocolate. And isn't the chocolate the true meaning of Easter? You know, I, I saw, um, <laughs> like, I find this funny. I probably offend some of you when I say this, but um, there was the advert that Tesco put out. Uh, it was like half price beer or something. So it was like, let's make this Good Friday a great Friday. That's fine. I've I've seen so many people use the term Good Friday in the wrong context, or you know, to suit how good a Friday is. You know what I mean? Instead of the actual religious context, um, you know, it's like when people say Great Britain, yeah, as in great, as in fantastic, and it's the wrong context. It's, you know, so whatever. Loads of people got offended by it. I think it was slightly funny. Not that funny. You know, it's very rare that there's an actual genuine funny advert. But, um, you know, I really like the Specsavers ones. <laughs> the kid who's uh, trying to clean some plates. And uh, it cuts to his dad who's, you know, taking care of his expensive record collection. And uh, the kid turns out that he's scrubbing the records really hard. Because <laughs> he needs glasses. So, yeah, maybe, maybe 
the adverts are just aimed at idiots and maybe I'm an idiot because I found it funny. But uh, yeah, so chocolate trooping. But to be fair, I do, I've got like, one Easter egg this year, and but I'm, you know, because I'm trying to lose some goddamn weight, to be honest. Um, so I've, I've bought jam, uh, real fruit, less sugar and all that. And uh, I do have a bit of honey because you know, I can't cope without toast, basically, at this point. Um, but I've, you know, I've cut out stuff. Uh, I've cut out, I've cut out microwave meals for a start. I think that's a good thing. And uh, I've cut out, well, I've cut out, you know, salted butter, etc. And I'm buying an exercise bike. So this will be a new thing for the podcast. I'll keep you updated on how much weight I've lost every week. No one will care. Um, but you know, I've got to try and lose the tits somewhat before I go to LA uh, in September. And you know where everyone is beautiful, basically. So you know I've got to. Yeah, it's not enough for my. It maybe it is enough for my just general English charm. You know I am. You know they'll see me as Hugh Grant, basically. And I've got long hair, so they may think I'm Russell Brand. Um, but uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to going to LA in September, and there will be a gig happening in LA. Uh, I'll be teaming up with Fernando Podomo, Chris Price, and names that you may be familiar with. Uh, I interviewed them on previous shows. They've worked with just about everyone. Um, and we'll be playing a venue in LA, which is mind-blowing to me. Uh, some other things that are coming up. Um, what else am I doing, actually? Oh, yes, we'll be playing at uh, my band Toxic Melons. We'll be playing Record Store Day, uh, which is Saturday the 22nd of April outside of Windows. JG Windows in the Central Arcade in Newcastle. You've got to live locally for that one. Um, and it's at 10 a.m. as well. But that is actually a prime spot because uh, everyone is queuing up for those limited edition records. So we'll be playing in front of a lot of people. And the hope is to have that gig pay for our trip to Liverpool in May. Uh, the 16th and 17th of May, we will be playing the World Famous Cavern Club as part of the International Pop Overthrow. Uh, second year in a row that we'll be doing that. Um, it's the one time when we play a gig outside of the city where I am recognised, which is good because I've interviewed half the people on there probably. Um, if you want to listen to the interview with the head of the IPO, David Bash, uh, a previous episode, search through the archives, etc. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just pimping tons of shit. At least I'm aware that I'm probably annoying you with all the shit I'm posting. Uh, the theme tune at the start, the uh, piano bass thing, um, as he sniffs, uh, was a piece of music that I made for my friend's play um, called The Wrong Honourable Game Show and it was a, a game show where these two politicians had been kidnapped and it was presented in the form of a game show and we, the audience participated in the uh, show and I made the theme tune for it it was a sellout, so I have now made music for a sellout play. Uh, apologies to my mate Ross, who <laughs> uh, I, I tried to get in, and it turns out, well, it was sold out. So they actually turned people away at the door. So, yeah, I, I have now made music for a play. I've made music for movies. You know, basically, I should be a millionaire by now, but for some reason I'm not. Um, the music that I made uh, for a film was uh, called Hollower. And again, search for the archives. The director, writer-director of Hollower. Uh, great horror movie uh, my, MJ Dixon I interviewed him, we go back many years uh, that is on Amazon Prime if you like your horror movies uh, go on to Amazon Prime if you have that and uh, check out Hollower and uh, it helps it, it helps keep me running as much as anything else because it contains two Toxic Melon songs um, yeah again while I'm trying to pimp stuff as quick I'm, try, I'm getting better at this I think um, my guest this week is the amazing Urban Legend now this may be a name that you don't know too well 
Uh, he was he's a professional wrestler recommend recommended by the great Leiloni Kai uh, who, you know former WWF ladies champion surefire Hall of Famer yeah, why she's not in the WWE Hall of Fame yet uh, I do not know uh, but I had a great chat with uh, Urban it was getting in the mind of uh, someone who is making a name for himself and he's not where he wants to be but you know he's only been wrestling for uh, a couple of years and but the amount he has done in that time and the people he has worked with etc you know he's got some great stories to tell uh part two will be happening sometime probably in the summer um and he will be a guest on Turnchuckle at some point as well. Uh, I'm really glad to help him out. I'm really glad that he helped out the podcast by being on it. And I think he enjoyed it, uh, which is good. Um, stay tuned after the show for uh, more announcements regarding wrestling names uh, who will be on Pablo's Pop Podcast and Turnchuckle. You know, th this podcast isn't strictly a red wrestling podcast, but I have had the good fortune of having lots of wrestlers um be guests recently uh, but I interview actors, authors, filmmakers, uh, butchers, bakers, candlestick makers, you know the, you know the score. Uh, so yeah it's, it's a bit of everything and if you are liking what you hear and if you like the look of the guests in the archives uh, we are on iTunes now you can subscribe on iTunes uh, give give me a five star rate you know, I, w I would really appreciate that. Uh, you can say I'm shit if you want, uh, if you really hate it, but at least give some constru constructive criticism as why I'm shit. Um, you know, it, it could be argued that I know I'm, that I'm a little bit shit, uh, but that, as I always say with podcasts, you don't need any formal training, you know, as, as opposed to a radio presenter where you need some kind of training. A podcast, you can be as niche as you like and talk about anything you goddamn want to, uh, which is what I like about it. And you can do it in your underpants as well. Maybe I am in my underpants right now. Who's to say? Um, this is why I don't do video, because it saves half the time. Uh, so yes, if you would like to support the show, uh, you can visit the sponsors, uh, 15 Surefire Tips for Relieving Back Pain. I can't recommend this book enough. If you have any kind of back pain, if you, you know, just, if you are looking to heal yourself or if you know anyone who is looking to heal themselves or you just need just that little bit of help to get through everyday life, this book is amazing. Uh, check it out at the link below. You supporting the sponsors helps keep the show running, helps me find great guests, etc. And you know, it does help pay the bills basically. So do check it out. It's at the link below the show on Podbean if you're listening on there. And it's on iTunes as well, I believe. Uh, but also check out Pablo's Pop Podcast on Facebook where you will be the first to find out about new guests. Um, you know, know what you'll find that out there first, basically. You'll find that out in advance and you'll be able to ask our guests questions. And these are some really cool names coming up as well. Um, what else? There is on on uh, Podbean, there's a big green button at the top of the page, a uh, patron button, where you can basically give me money for free. Now, I am not going to turn down any money you decide to give me for free, uh, even if it's to, you know, shut up. But nah, I won't take money to shut up because I enjoy doing it. It me underpants, maybe. There's an image for you. Um, no, you can, you can basically help the show and you can give me some money, basically. But I feel a bit uncomfortable with it obviously i'll take it i feel uncomfortable asking for it <laughs> but it is there uh you know loud and green and uh loud and proud basically um but what i would prefer you do is check out my music at toxicmelons.bandcamp.com uh if you're into the beatles beach boys queen ELO, the move the zombies uh jellyfish then you will probably like what i do um, toxic melon that's toxicmelons.bandcamp.com I might, I might put the link under the page um, but like I said check out Pablo's Pop Podcast 
bloody bloody blah. You know the you know the score. Uh, so yes, before we get into my interview with Urban Legend, I am gonna play you one of my songs. Um, you know, it's crass advertising basically, but I can get away with it, and hopefully you like the stuff as well. I'm, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm abusing my power basically. Uh, but this is a song called Let Me Sleep, and it features the late great Vim Audek, who produced the record. Um, love him to death, and. I still miss him very much, uh, and it also features Taylor Locke on guitar, and he was he is in a band called Rooney, and you may know that name. They they did a lot of things in the early two thousands, and they will be making a comeback as well. Uh, they played, they appeared on the OC. You know they had hit albums, hit singles, etc. Uh, so yeah, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, after that, we'll be going straight into my interview with Irvin. But do stay tuned for announcements on future guests and much more. The real world can run short of inspiration sometimes Maybe I'm just a cynic News needed from my After all this 
Okay, with me on Pablo's Poppin' Podcast this week is an uh, independent professional wrestler, one of the hardest working independent professional wrestlers I've uh, been able to come in contact with, and someone who comes highly recommended uh, by former WWF ladies champion and certain Hall of Famer Leilani Kai. I have with me Irvin Legend. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm glad that we can finally get this uh, done. Um, you know, we've been building this up. This is going to be the greatest podcast of all time with the amount of build-up that we've uh, put behind it. Nice. And yeah, you know, as it should be, because you were called Legend, and uh, you know, it, you've got to have balls to give yourself that name, and you've got to be able to back it up, and I'm sure you do. Right. Um, so, what made you uh, choose the name Legend? Then was it sort of uh, was it based off anything in particular, or was it just like if I'm gonna put myself out there i've got to really you know be noticed and be bold and well uh i got a similar question asked and uh before i got into wrestling i used to be an underground rapper and and this is before i even heard of john legend so uh yeah now I, I was trying to come up with some fancy name so i came up with urban legend and not only you know did i choose urban legend for wrestling because it you know, rolled off the tip of my tongue, but I took my real life experiences and it's like everything that I've been through in my past 23 years, this is stuff that, you know, not everybody goes through. Like I've been through some really, really tough spots and I've prevailed every single time. And uh, that's what a legend does. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, th I think it was brought up. You had, you had, uh, a bit of a crazy childhood, to say the least. I mean, is it something that you would be prepared to sort of go into? Is it something that really... I mean, like you say, it uh, set you up for the name that you use, but I guess it set you up for just your frame of mind and just, you know, uh, the determination that you have to really make it as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I'm very open to sharing my life experience with anybody who asks, because I know there's somebody out there that can either relate or take my story as motivation. You know, I lost my mom when I was 14. I've had to deal with, you know, gang life. I've had to deal with racism and getting jumped and stabbed and dying two or three times. So, well, I've been through a whole bunch of stuff. Wow. Um, I, I, I couldn't even begin to imagine the shit that you've been through in your life. And, uh, to come out on the other end of it and to, you know, uh, basically shove it up all their asses, basically, you know, and uh, live your dreams. Uh, you know, was wrestling something that you uh, discovered, that, you know, as a young legend or was it something that, you know, came later on in life? Because wrestling, the, the, the thing yeah. is, the thing is, as well, you're not you're not even that old. You're 23, which is depressing. I'm 30 now. Um, <laughs> I'm like older than most wrestlers now, which is like really depressing. Uh, so you know, but uh, you've you know lived the life of someone at least double your age, basically. You know the amount of stuff that you've been through in your life. Yeah, wrestling for me was an escape from all the. Am I allowed to cuss on this podcast? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well. Wrestling for me was pretty much an escape, you know, from all the bullshit that I was going through. And it made me feel like almost empowered. Like if I can look up these guys and I can imagine that's me in there, then I can pretty much handle anything. You know, like I was, you know, I was a premature baby. I'm 5'8", uh, but I'm very, I'm very built for my size. But, at the, you know, at the time I was very small and I was the easy target to get bullied and stuff. So, you know, every day of my life, I, if I wasn't getting teased by the neighborhood kids, 
I was getting teased by people in school, um, you know, throw down steps and dumped in dumpsters and shit like that. It was like, I almost felt a sense of protection. Like when I was wearing a wrestling shirt, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I felt a sense of protection. It's a very weird connection, but I'm sure somebody understands what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Um, so was there anyone in particular who you lived your life through uh, vicariously, like any character in particular? Or, or, was, um, it, or was it just the entire... Because, I mean, uh, you will have, I'm guessing... Uh, have uh, started watching wrestling during the Attitude Era, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah. So I mean, obviously, it, it's kind of weird because I am a little older. So like, I watched it a little before that. So I got to see the change, I guess, and grow up with it. And uh, but you actually started watching it at that time, so it must have been just mind blowing. Um, just the spectacle of it and uh, the outrageousness of it. Dude, I failed so many quizzes and tests because of wrestling, man. Like, <laughs> I would stay up so late and just fry my brain and just watch wrestling, wrestling. And then I get to school the next day and I wouldn't know what to do. My head would be spinning. I'd fail. I'm like, man, I was just chilling watching my favorite show. <laughs> so, you know, times of wrestling kind of messed me up in school. But, as a, you know, as a aspiring wrestler at the time, I looked up to people like The Rock, people like, uh, you know, Benoit. Um, Guerrero, the the Radicals, Kane, Undertaker, everybody that, uh, you know, everybody that was wrestling around that time, you know, I had an impact, a connection with them, some sort of another, because I felt like, you know, they didn't have to listen to anybody or take anybody, anybody's shit. You know, they did what they wanted to do, and they were damn good at it, and that's what I was like, you know what, I really hope one day, if I ever get bigger... You know, maybe I could be one of those guys on TV. And, you know, my mom at the time, you know, thought it was a silly a dream. She's like, Irvin, I, I love you, but I don't think you could do it. You know how tough it is. And for the longest time, I believed her. And then, you know, as I got older, you know, I was told I would never play sports. And I've been an athlete since I was like six. Like, I've been playing soccer and basketball and stuff. And I, after months and months of trying, I made the varsity team on football team, university and varsity at high school. What position? One time, I, uh, I was a free safety and I was a running back. Okay, cool. Um, once I did that, you know, I graduated and I was like, well, what am I going to do now? You know, my friends are joining the military. The military is not for me. Um, I think the only option I have is to go after my wrestling career. So, yeah, I pulled up, you know, wrestling schools in Virginia Beach and the first name popped up was Southside Pro Wrestling. So, I got the number and... Mark and no, nah, it wasn't Mark. It was a uh, Curtis Mack answered the phone. I was talking for him for a bit, and he told me, you know, SPW, you know, trains basics, and we could go to Buffalo Wild Wings, you know, for the pay per views and watch our and show our stuff. So I met the promoter at Buffalo Wild Wings, and you know, I, you know, grew accustomed to him, and we became friends. And then a couple months after that, I took my first class. You know, the rest is history. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about, uh, you know. Um fucking up the school and everything because you watch so much wrestling. We got the pay-per-views at like 1am live. So we stayed up until like 4am in the UK to watch this stuff and Raw was on a... Uh, we got Monday Night Raw, not live. We got it on Friday night. Uh, so they didn't exactly make it easy for us. And uh, yeah, I remember just my sleeping pattern was all over the place. So you talk about uh, The Rock and Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero. Was it sort of... Um, 
you know, The Rock's personality as much as anything, and then sort of Benoit and Eddie's athleticism and their size that made you think that you could uh, do it if, you know, if they could, you know, get to the top of their field. There's no reason why you couldn't. Yeah. You know, people like Benoit Grill, Dean Malenko, I should add him, Jericho, Dan O'Brien, you know, they all paved the way for people like me to go in and do what I want to, you know, love to do. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you're from, uh, Virginia. Um, so the wrestling schools around that, was it just the, the, uh, Southside, uh, school of professional wrestling or were there other ones in the area? There was a place called HCW and I believe, uh, Fusion was running a school. No, BCW is running a school. BCW shut the school down. SPW shut down. By that time, I graduated, and, you know, he sold the school to Primetime in Yorktown, which is about an hour and a half away from where I'm at. Yeah. So if I wanted to get some ring time, you know, I, I go up there and do what I got to do. But, you know, I was from school to school to school until I found, you know, a comfortable place that I like, and that happened to be Southside. Yeah. Do you feel that um, you've come along at a really good time in terms of – you know, uh, the independents seem to be a lot stronger than they have been, you know, over the past few years because, you know, a lot of more athletic, uh, you know, kids, I guess, who want to get into wrestling are, you know, they're more talented at what they do. Uh, there's just more talent out there. It's it's kind of, it's not necessarily easier to get to WWE, but they've opened the doors to where it you know, it's more possible to at least attempt to get to WWE sort of thing. Uh, you know, do you feel that when, say, your mum uh, said that you'll never make it or whatever, I'm sure she never meant it as a bad thing, but, you know, the the landscape was probably different back then. It probably wasn't as easy to, you know, go to a wrestling school that wasn't just going to rip you off or whatever. And, you know, um, so, yeah, do you, do you feel that you've come along at a good time, basically? Yeah, but I'm the top athlete. I put so much pressure on myself. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not satisfied at all with everything I've done. I want to just accomplish more. Like, you know, I was thinking to myself, I don't know if I should give this guy the plug, but uh, I'm sure you've heard of Leo Rush. Yes. Uh, that guy is insane. And <laughs> even though me and him are identically the same age, same story, kind of, you know, I look up to him. He doesn't know that, but. You know, I've talked to him here and there, and, you know, he's hustling more than, you know, a lot of people I know. And I'm pretty sure a lot of good shit's going to happen for him pretty soon. He's been to Germany, uh, Ireland, I think, different uh, different Canada, places like that. Yeah. And he's wrestling almost, you know, almost every promotion. It's like, that's where I want to be. But I know I got to put the work in. But everybody has a different route. Everybody has a different story. Not everybody has the same opportunities. So for me, you know, I'm more concerned about working in this region and then branching out and doing that that way. Yeah. Well, what? Because um, we talked about this before. Uh, with being from the south, uh, do you feel that uh, in general the sort of southern audiences where you've wrestled in uh, Georgia, in in Virginia, and uh, North Carolina? Uh, do they have, you know, maybe a bit of a more old school mentality? It's not like the smart audience kind of thing. It's like families, and you know, it it teaches you to be, I guess, as much of an entertainer as much as you know, being really athletically gifted. 
Yeah, like I've wrestled, you know, up north and uh, down south. Um, uh, north, I'd say more high flying, more smarts. But yeah. as you go down, you know, down south, it's way more old school. You gotta slow it down, and you gotta pretty much know how to do anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it's crazy that sort of um, some things never change. You know, the you know the southern audience. Uh, you know, it's not considered necessarily back in time or whatever. But you know, they do appreciate. I, I you know the characters, I guess, and um, you know the. I I don't know. Would you say that they see it more as entertainment more than, I don't know, an athletic contest? I guess. And do you feel that you can sort of slow down a little bit more and uh, work on? You know, do you do you mainly wrestle as a, a heel or a face? Do I do what? Do you mainly wrestle as a heel or a face? Uh, I used to be a face, but now I'm a heel because I just I, I have this new persona where I I'm just very ruthless and. You know, I, I'm just a dick. There's no <laughs> nice way. There's no nice way. Uh-huh. And a lot of people have a common misconception about if you're small, you should be a face. That's not necessarily the truth. If anything, if you're small, you could pull off your heel more because, you know, you can do that stick and move gimmick to where you're talking shit and you're hitting the guy. And then finally when the big baby face bumps you, the crowd goes insane. It's like, yes, you finally got him. True. And there's also you know, the, the thing of the audience will feel that they can take you in a fight. As well, because you were smaller. Yeah. And then, and then right. when you sort of, you know, uh, you are actually tough or you win by cheating or whatever, then that'll just piss every, everyone off. And, uh, right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Psychology. That, yeah. Psychology has changed the game. Like, 20 years ago, if I was in the business, I'd be a face because I'm getting my ass with all the bigger guys. Now, the little guys are being heels because, you know, the stupid heels are and you're smaller, you're quicker, and he's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, be faster so he can't catch me. And then when he catches me, it's like, damn, I bumped the shit out of me, so now I'm just going to lay there and get my ass whooped. Yeah. You know? do, do you feel that that's something that um, when you see a lot of wrestlers your age and or with, you know, uh, not very much experience, do you feel that they don't really think about their character too much, uh, that it's more about the, you know, doing the moves and whatever? A lot of people, I'm not speaking for you know all of them. I'm still green myself, but yeah, a lot of people feel like if you can do all the flippy, fancy shit, that makes you a good wrestler. Yeah, knowing your character and making a connection with the crowd, whether you're a good guy or bad guy, is what makes you a good wrestler. If nobody gives a fuck about you, doesn't care to see you wrestle, then you're really not doing much good for yourself. Yeah, so you got to give them a reason to cheer you or boo you, and then worry about the movies. Like a lot of people don't realize, we all have bump cards in our bodies of temple. And like I cannot stand when I'm at a show and I see people my age taking all these stupid ass bumps for no reason. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, like, I, I, someone, it's a, he's a friend who lives local, but I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Botchamania. Um, you know, I, I know the guy who uh, runs it, and it's just. You know, you kind of as a as a watcher, you do kind of get sort of a comedy value out of someone missing a move or whatever. But you do forget that they do genuinely, you know, hurt themselves and almost break their necks sometimes when they fuck up a move, and it's yeah. not in front of many people sometimes. And you know, I, you know, it just seems you know just because obviously I'm not a wrestler, um, but I'm a fan. But I, I try not to be smarky if I can help it. But it just seems that you are. 
do the right thing for your career because you're only 23 and I'm guessing you want to do this for at least the next 20 years. Um, yeah. And, you know, building your character, it, you know, and if WWE is the end goal, um, you know, they do look at character as much as anything else as well. And it's like, you know, uh, I'm not doing no four picture shooting star press with no 12 people. Yeah. That's nothing against the level I'm at now, but, you know, wrestling in gyms in front of 12, 100, if I'm lucky, I'm not satisfied with that. Like, yeah. If I'm going all yeah. out, it's going to be in front of thousands of people. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that I can see. You seem like, you know, you're only 23, but you are wise. And I guess that, you know, that wisdom, some of it has come from some of the seminars that you've attended with guys like Tracy Smothers and Tom Pritchard, uh, two of my favorite wrestlers. Um, what would they like to uh, to work with? I'll tell you, Tom Pritchard was really intimidating to me. Yeah. But he's, he's a cool-ass dude. Yeah. It's just his parents. So I go over and talk to him. But, you know, after talking for a little bit, he ribbed me a, a couple of times because I was the youngest guy at the seminar. And, of course, he was picking on me, which was funny. And, you know, he taught me some stuff that they did at the Performance Center. He taught me about promos and my character and stuff like that. Like, he said, cut a promo on a, on a, a piece of gum. I was like, how am I going to do that? But I ended up doing it, and it sounded good. And I was like, oh, shit, I just cut a promo on a piece of gum. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, Tom, I mean, uh, did he, he came to Virginia, was he touring at the time, or does he run a school uh, down there? Uh, no, nah, he did it for a clinic, but I think he runs a school in uh, Florida, maybe might be Florida, I'm not sure where he resides, but I know he owns a school somewhere. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm guessing as well, when like a name like that comes by, you're not going to turn down the chance to go and, uh, you know, spend time with them and learn from them. And, you know, does that kind of blow your mind when people miss those opportunities to, you know, learn from someone like that? Yeah, and those are the same people that say I want to get better and learn my crap. But yeah. here's the thing about seminars. You got to be smart and pick your spots. You got to look at who's hosting the seminar, who's doing it, what they're covering. Yeah. Uh, I know this is going to rub people the wrong way, but it's the truth. And I tell the truth whether people like it or not. If you invest in a seminar with someone who's never been anywhere or, you know, had one or two runs but didn't really do nothing. Yeah. As opposed to, like, Tom Pritchard or the Monster Factory, places you know you're going to get your most bank career buck, you just got to be smart. Like, I wouldn't invest, like, 200 bucks in a seminar with some local guy. Yeah. You know, and I'd rather invest 300 or 400 going to, you know, Monster Factory or... You know, Tom Pritchard again or Bob Evans. Cause Bob Evans is one of the most knowledgeable people I know in this business. Like, I go to him for almost anything. And the fact that he takes time out of his day to help me out means a lot. So I've been to a couple of his seminars, too, and I've learned different things, you know, every time I, I went there. But people just got to be smart and invest in the right seminars. Seminars are going to benefit the most from because, you know, at the end of the day, some people just want your money. Yeah. Like, they're, you know... What if you go to a seminar and invest a hundred bucks and you, they just talk about what they did their whole career and you're not learning jack shit. You're yeah. just standing there listening to them for an hour. Have you, uh, have you, have, without burying anyone, have you been to some like that without realizing it sort of thing? Well, I've been to, yeah, I've been to one. Um, I didn't really, I knew where it was going, but I wasn't really, you know, complaining. I was shut up listening and was like, all right, 
and then eventually we got to the drills and stuff. But you know, those thirty minutes to an hour was talk about what they did and what they've been through, which is cool. But it's like I came here to learn hands on, yeah, holds character work. I didn't come here to you know hear what you've done. If I wanted to hear what you've done, I would have called you or something. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, speaking of the Monster Factory as well, uh, Larry Sharp, uh, who originated the Monster Factory, he passed away yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you knew about that. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. I put a post. Ah, uh, really? Yeah, man. That that was really sad because I mean, he started the Monster Factory with Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, and um, I believe what I've heard was uh, they started it specifically to train Buddy Rogers' son, David. Uh, who, yeah. you know, who was like 16, 17 at the time, had a hell of a physique and uh, for some reason, you know, never really uh, pursued a career in uh, wrestling after that. But, uh, you know, um, Larry Sharp deserves, you just have to look at the names that have been trained in the most, Bam Bam Bigelow, for example. You know, he deserves to be in any Hall of Fame. Um For what he was able to do. So when you went to the Monster, Monster Factory, was you know, was it almost like a museum of sort of, you know, um, memorabilia or like sort of, you know, pictures of guys who've trained there sort of thing? You had, I've, the thing about Monster Factory is, you know, I've followed their Facebook page. Yeah. For months, and then when I was finally able to go in, like, well, holy shit, I'm here. Yeah. Like, you had pictures on the wall. You had gym match. You had two rings. I believe it's two rings. Um, You know, it's like a WWE performance center, like a mini camp. Yeah. You had the weight room. It's a very old school that I love with, mm-hmm. the, you know, rusty weights and shit. Um, very, 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 uh, very good place to be. I learned a lot for the two two seminars I went there. So um, it, was easy, like, it was easy to see why it has the reputation it, that it has. Yeah, and anybody that lives down there, I hope they take advantage of getting down there two or three times a week because – I live in New Jersey, man. I'd be down there every day, but yeah, I know Cage uh, holds open open Sundays for ring you know, ring time, and I'm half tempted to go down to New Jersey on a you know Saturday afternoon, find a place to crash in New Jersey and train there for a day, and then come back. I hope everyone's enjoying my interview with Urban Legend. I'll be back in a jiffy. Meet Barry. He wanted to get a website for his removal business. He searched online, met a number of web companies, ended up with too many options to take on board. Then he hired a web company. The company built a website, but there were many corrections. The company did not understand Barry's business. Barry then found Planet John. His website was designed and built on one week's time. The site comes with free maintenance and works on laptops and smartphones. We even told the World Wide Web about Barry's business at no extra cost. What are you waiting for? Contact us, www.pltjohn.com. And now, back to the shoe. Now, you've also attended seminars by Tracy Smothers, and he is absolutely insane. I have met him before. <laughs> he wrestled locally, and he drank a shit ton of vodka before his match, <laughs> and after his match as well, probably. Um, what was it like working with him? I can imagine it was fucking crazy. AC Smothers is a funny motherfucker. He really is, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, was doing the exercises with us, and you know, he's telling us why we should stress and do yoga and this and that, and you know, he'd tell little rib stories. And as I think those exercises, we had to go out out front, 
and jog around the complex. Uh-huh. And as I was doing that, you know, he was telling me, hey, kid, make sure you tie your shoe. So I kept looking down and my shoe was tied. But he would do that so I would trip and have to run more. Like, <laughs> he would just do funny shit just to mess with you. But, you know, little things like that you have to learn to appreciate. Like, a lot of these new guys think if, you know, you have a match and you go in the locker room and people are dogging on you, it's because they care and they want to see you get better. Yeah. It's not because they're trying to pick up you and bust your balls. If you can't think about if you can't take criticism from vets and you can't, you know, take advice, you're gonna have a real tough time being in this business. Because I guarantee you there are people out there that are way more harsher than, you know, what I've seen or what I've had to do. Yeah. Uh, well, I think as well, WWE would be really lucky to have Tracy Smothers in their uh, performance center as well. Um, you know, the last, uh, it, it's been a while since I've seen uh, Tracy wrestle, but um, there was a, there was a weird match and you may not remember it because it was on one of the, the B shows at the time, but uh, it was 1999 and they brought in Tracy Smothers for a one shot uh, deal against Michael Hayes when he was managing the Hardy Boys. And it was just old school. It was just an old school wrestling match and i think because we it didn't really happen you know so much um during the attitude era you know the crowd were actually really into it as well um you know i think it just shows you how easy it is with personality to you know well not easy but how easy it is for them to uh control the crowd and um you know i'm sure that when you watch uh wrestling even now you know you study you know, obviously you try and enjoy it, but yeah, I guess it's kind of hard to fully enjoy it when you're studying it to that level. Uh, is that what you still do? Do you always sort of take notes or mental notes about what someone has done? or you know, The little subtle things, I guess. Yeah, anytime I watch a match, whether it's old school and, you know, the new generation, I always take notes and figure out, you know, why that person did that, why they were there, if that makes sense, and then... When I have a match, I compare notes and be like, well, I should have done this. Yeah. That would have got that reaction. That would have looked better. And it's really, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. You miss one piece and then it all falls apart. But if you have all the pieces together and it makes sense, then it'll be all right. But that's the toughest. For me, that's the toughest part about being a wrestler is, you know, a ma- uh, not the moves, but the sequence and making it makes so the crowd's invested the whole match because there's been times it's happened to me where the crowd was hot for the first couple spots and then mid-match everybody just died down and then showed life near the end so it's really tough for them to be invested the whole match so us as wrestlers we got to figure out what to do to keep you know that momentum going yeah it's hard as well I've got a lot of friends who wrestle locally as well and um, especially if it's like a smaller venue where it could feasibly become just quiet you know what I mean like sort of no one talking sort of thing and it is kind of hard to really uh, get a reaction sometimes um, when you know something's you know fallen on its ass basically Um, but um so is uh, who uh, at the moment um, on the independent scene uh, do you really look up to? Is there like an opponent that you want to face, or someone that you've already faced uh, that you you've learned I a lot have, from? I have ten people on the list that I want to work before this year is over. Okay, and one of one of them I'm working in 
the end of May. I'm not going to say his name until the promoter gives me the okay, but I'm yeah. crossing his name off in weeks. But other than that guy, I have, you know, Leo Rush is at the top of the list. Uh, Shane Strickland, ACH, Sammy Guevara, Cody Rhodes, um, people like that. Yeah. That I know can go. And I can learn a lot. That's really cool. So, I mean, and you were also, um, you were wrestling uh, Saturday, April the 29th. Is that your next match uh, at uh, VCW Pro Wrestling? Yeah, that's my next match. That's your next match. It's uh, headlined uh, by Brutes the Barber Beefcake, which is, <laughs> which is always awesome. Uh, so are you, are you going to be getting the haircut, or do you, do you not have enough hair for that? No, nah, I barely have enough hair for that reason, man. <laughs> it ain't going to be me getting the haircut, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, so it should be really cool. Is Brutus wrestling that night, or is it kind of uh, is he there for the meet and greet? Or? I think he might be doing a meet and greet and maybe like a promo gimmick or something. Yeah, I think uh, sure. um, I've just noticed as well on the post that Big Johnston's son uh, will be there as well. Yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah, I've never met, never met him. Yeah, I see. I know very little about him apart from he was on a, a series of Tough Enough, you know, years ago now. And um, it just seemed like he wasn't ready or wasn't into it or whatever at the time. But uh, he's from what I've uh, heard, he seems to have really made a reputation for himself. And he's a he's a big motherfucker as well. And he just he's grown the hair long and he's got the beard and he's even got Big John Studd's robe as well. It's it's scary how much he uh, actually looks like him as well. Do you know who your opponent's going to be for that show? Yeah, I'm facing Juggernaut. He's that big meathead that's in the back, very back of the post, and stand next to me. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like a badass. Yeah, big dude. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you're gonna be the heel against uh, this big motherfucker. So, is he uh, is he a regular for VCW then? Uh, he debuted a couple months before me, but he's one of their monster heels. I'm not sure what I'm doing yet. I might be baby, but. Uh, it's going to be fun. I just hope he's ready because, you know, I kind of I hope he's ready for war. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm in the jam. I said, well, he didn't need all that. <laughs> um, so in terms of uh, your uh, uh, body shape, I guess, are you looking to get bigger or are you happy with the sort of, you know, because it's, again, I, I, it's not like WWE, again, is the be-all, end-all, but they don't seem to just go for the absolute sort of monsters now, which is great. Uh, it opens the door yeah. for a lot of people as well. So d- did you feel at one point that you maybe should want it to get bigger? Or, uh, again, does it go back to guys like Benoit and Eddie, you know, if they were able to do it at that size? And really open the door for a lot of people as well, like uh, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, um, you know, just about everyone else. And people kind of forget that, and it's obviously... It, can't be brought up too often because of Benoit and everything that went down, but it can never be forgotten how much they open the doors for people. So, yeah, how do you feel about your sort of uh, your shape at the moment? Are you looking to expand upon it? Yeah, um, I'm not trying to get terribly big, but I'm trying to get you know leaned out, kind of how like Neville's looking. Like I don't want to be overly built, but I want to be built for my size. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's crazy to me. I mean, Neville, he's from my home city, and um, he never used to be, you know, as big as he is now. But it's it's incredible how uh, 
you know, but she hasn't slowed down. You know, <laughs> you would just think that the bigger you get, you know, the slower you would move. Uh, but he is, he's a wonder of nature, really. Uh, but I, I have a feeling that, um, again, without getting too smartly about it, I have a, he, when he wrestled locally, uh, he wrestled as a heel a lot. And uh, just his facial expressions and everything, even back then, he just looked like a heel. Um, and he is playing, you know, he does the heel thing so well. And, um, I f you know, I would think as well that it means that he doesn't have to do the crazy moves as well, because I know he has bad knees. Um, so, I mean, as, as a heel as well, do you feel that you don't have to uh, do, you know, not necessarily work as hard, but maybe do the, uh, you know, more taxing, physically taxing stuff as a heel? Because, you know, it's more about your personality, I guess. When I'm a heel, I'm going to make sure everybody in that crowd is either spitting at me or booing me. <laughs> I feel like I don't have to do a whole bunch of flippy shit. I leave that up to the good guy to do, you know, yeah. they can get a pop. But well, for me, I'll just slow you down and keep you grounded. And I might go to the top rope of the showboat, but often, you know, that doesn't work. Yeah. I'll probably get knocked off or kicked in the face or something like that. So I like fake, you know, doing the springboard, but I never actually hit it. Uh, I normally miss. Uh, so as a heel as well, because generally, from what I hear, the heel calls the match. So is that kind of what you do at the moment? Yeah, it all depends on who I'm in there with. If I'm in there with someone new to me, you know, of course I'm being the heel and I'm calling the match. But if I'm in there with a vet and I'm a heel, the baby can call the match too. It's just a little bit different. Yeah. It's it's awesome uh, that you call you know uh, are trusted to call matches as well, even though you have you almost like a veteran before your time, if you get what I mean. Um, because, you know, again, you've worked all over the place uh, for someone who, you know, you're so young and uh, it can't be easy just to, you know, pack up and travel to New Jersey or, you know, uh, wherever. Um, so how those kind of bookings, do, do you go specifically through uh, your booking agent, uh, Steve Stasiak? Yeah, uh, I've been a member of Book for Us for about a year. So whenever I get a big opportunity... Like, I'm probably not supposed to drop this, but I got a booking in Texas on June 16th. Yeah. For Gulf Coast, and it's in Corpus Christi. So if I get an opportunity, you know, I contact my, hey, man, I got this booking. What can we do? And, you know, we. the thing about me, this might seem crazy, right? But I don't have a car, okay? Okay. And I don't have a license. And I don't have a license either. So even if I want to get a car, after your license first, I have a license. So you can imagine how hard it is being a professional wrestler to travel with no car, no license. Yeah, how do you so do it? Me, do you just go by train or bus? Or? Yeah, like if you really want something, yeah. you know, you'll find a way to – even if you have to leave four days in advance. Yeah. Like there's been a time where I had to take a Greyhound one time. Uh, I haven't flown that because that's way too expensive. Or, you know, I'll carpool most of the time or I'll actually pay somebody to take me to these bookings. Yeah, and if it's another worker taking me, then I'll get him on the same show I'm on, so that he's not going up there for nothing. Yeah, there are ways to make it in this business. You don't have to have a car. It's nice that you should, but if you can't, you know, I get dogged on a lot for not driving. And the thing about me is, like, I'm not able, legally allowed to drive. It's not that I don't want to; it's because I'm not able to. There's a difference. Uh -huh. I keep trying to tell people that, but they just. It goes one in one ear and out the other with them. And it's like, well, I don't know how many times I got to explain myself to you. I really shouldn't explain myself to you, but since you want to know. Yeah. You know, yeah, but any booking I get, 
I have to contact Steve and tell him and let him know what's up so that, you know, we can discuss booking fees. I never used to have a booking fee until I became a member of Book for Wrestling. So wherever I go, you know, my booking fee goes up. That's really cool as well that, you know, he has the uh, belief in you as well to, you know, take you onto his, uh, you know, onto his books and stuff like that because, you know, it's, you know, it's, just as a musician, uh, you know, you're a musician as well. You know, you uh, you wrapped your your own uh, entrance music, which is always cool. I think, um, you know, just to get a booking agent to have the faith in you that they can put their reputation on the line and uh, have you, you know, do something for them. You know what I mean? Like sort of. Um, I think it says a lot to you and um, shows how far you've advanced in such a short time. Right. Yeah. You know, the thing about Steve is, man, he didn't have to sign me on to a contract, but it's like the fact he put that faith in me and gave me a shot means a lot to me because, as anybody knows, it's really tough to even get in contact, let alone get on the team. And yeah, well, when he, he asked me, hey, do you want to be like the only one of the few younger indie guys, non established at the time? Yeah. You want to take that chance? I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. And it's like, you know, ever since that's happened, I've had all these podcasts. Crazy. Well, he has so many uh, big names under his books as well. It's it's mind blowing. I mean, um, so did did you say that you you contacted him, or was it through um, was it through someone else? Because it was Leilani Kai who uh, put you in touch with me. And Leilani Kai is one of my favorite lady wrestlers of all time. Uh, so you know that is really cool, and she will be doing the podcast soon as well, which is uh, you know I'm very grateful uh, for. She's doing the podcast with you soon. Uh, she will be, yeah. So, was it through Leilani uh, that you contacted Steve, or was it yourself? You may have said, you may have already said this, and I apologize if you already have. Yeah, I already knew Steve before Leilani. Um, you know, he got me in contact with Wrestler Weekly, and Leilani, Steve, of course, told Leilani about me. Leilani contacted me. We talked for a few, and then she gave me the plug on Twitter, and then my Instagram started blowing up, and then you know. A week later, she's like, I want you to be my protege. So I'm like, oh, shit. Definitely, let's do it. And that's how that happened. So there could be a a show where she could manage you, uh, which would be pretty awesome. Would you be be down for that? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I've actually wanted to talk to her uh, in a couple weeks and ask her, you know, because I wanted, I don't want her, you know, I don't want her traveling too far. Yeah, so, no, absolutely. I want yeah. to get a book near her and see if we can make something happen. Yeah, does she still live in Hawaii? I wasn't aware she lived in Hawaii. I thought she lived in um, Florida. Oh, she probably does, actually. Um, yeah, I'm just kayfabing. <laughs> um, yeah, she's awesome to talk to, though, and she doesn't mind me asking all my nerdy questions. You know, she puts up with it. Uh, I think she likes me. Uh, so, yeah, what do you have coming up in your schedule? As it stands right now, I have April 29th, of course, is Vanguard, BCW. Yeah. So yeah. I got May 6th at Ring Wars, Carolina, and St. Lumberton. Um, May 20th is the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Expo in Richmond. A ton of people are going to be there. A ton of legends and wrestlers from you know today and tomorrow are going to be there. So it's going to be a really big event. Um, June 16th, I have Gulf Coast in Texas. And then August through November, I'm booked in Ring Wars in Carolina. 
So, Southside Professional Wrestling, uh, you won uh, Rookie of the Year in uh, 2015, and it was won by popular vote. What was that? That must have been mind-blowing. Uh, and something that I guess that you were hoping would happen, but you don't go there expecting that kind of thing. So, uh, how did that feel, man? Man, it was crazy, because it's like, you know, at the time, if I was some young guy, I still am, but I was just never did nothing, nobody, and you know, I was working my ass off on just one company, and I, they gave my name the plug, and then out of like six other companies in Virginia and North Carolina, I ended up winning out of you know all of them. And it's like shit, nobody really expected, including myself. I didn't expect to win. Yeah. So when I got the award, I'm like, oh my god! And then I had to go up there and make a speech, and then after that, you know, it was pretty much it for me. I won the Rookie of the Year in my first year, which was cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, did you uh, did booking start to happen more after that as well? I was still in the process of graduating from uh, my home school, but as soon as I graduated, I started branching out immediately. Yeah, I had a booking in Carolina, and then it all popped off from there. Awesome, man. So, um, completely, uh, completely changing the subject. Um, what was your favorite match at WrestleMania? Uh, from I. I would have to say probably Triple H and Rollins. Yeah, I would, I would actually agree with that. I really, yeah, um, you know, pop of the night for me was obviously the Hardy Boys. I'm sure that that was a big, uh, really cool thing for you as well. Yeah, uh, the Hardys are cool. I met Matt and Jeff at a TNA gimmick uh, a couple years ago. Huh. Uh, one member I had, of course, my finish is a swanton. That's one of them. And, you know, when I took a picture with Jeff, I'm like, hey, man, by the way, my finish is a swanton. And he said to me, as long as you can do it right and safely, you got my blessing. And Matt really, Matt was more, like, uptight, standoffish. I didn't really talk to Matt that much, but Jeff actually took a couple minutes to talk to me, which was cool. That's really mm-hmm. cool. But yeah, the uh, Triple H Seth Rollins match. Um, you know, because I I haven't been watching nearly as much as I should have um, over the past year. But um, you know, <laughs> that's what I love about. I mean, WWE's production's insane, and when they do the promo videos to give you the storylines and stuff, it was just really well told story and just an amazing match as well. I really, really got into it. Um, so, who there at the moment are you really uh, digging in NXT or WWE? NXT, I don't really watch NXT too much, but you know, see all the people I looked at in NXT got caught from their roster now. Yeah, but is, yeah, something about Nakamura, Shinsuke Nakamura, Nakamura, some something about him that you know I like. I don't know if it's his entrance or his. He's very different. The way he moves around, the way he interacts with fans is completely different. He is so charismatic, and he don't have to talk. Yeah, no, this is true. Uh, so do you, um, in terms of uh, presentation and branding and stuff like that, obviously that is a that is a big deal to you. Um, so and, and does I think you might have said this before uh, when we talked previously, but does that go back to your days as a rap artist as well? Yeah, when I cut a promo or I'm promoting a match, man, I'm very vocal, depending on if I'm baby or heel. You know, if I'm a heel, of course I'm, Coming up with little snazzy lines that I can say, trying to say how horrible and how I don't want to be here and how you people don't deserve to wrestle. I could be 
I had a red carpet right now and blah, blah, blah. That, you know, I, my whole spiel that I say all the time. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you wrap in your promos? Uh, um, actually that's so overdone now that I kind of leave that alone. <laughs> I mean, I might have, I might have one or two snazzy lines, but I don't go out of my way to rap. Like ah. so many people do rapping gimmicks now. It would make me look like not original. As uh, no, an actual rap. rap. Yeah, that is true. So, I mean, that is pretty cool as well that, you know, you want to be, you, you hear it a lot. That is, you know, I, I probably not as much anymore, really, but uh, there was, there seemed to be a period, especially with uh, a lot of wrestlers that I know where they were like, I want to be the next whoever, but you want to be the first urban legend. And, uh, you know, just. Yeah, you know. Is it kind of like a conscious, I, conscious yeah. thing to sort of. Um, not do something exact, you know, if, if you see something, you uh, take it and change it into something that works for you sort of thing. Yeah, the thing about that is, say if you want to be the next Shawn Michaels, if you imitate everything Shawn does, first of all, you're taking away from what he's done and you're most likely doing it worse than he's ever done it. Yeah. That's number one. Number two is you're taking away from yourself because you're not original because people have already seen that shit. So, like for me, my idols are Benoit, Guerrero, Malenko, uh, Bret Hart, people like that. And it's I take little bits and pieces from the arsenal, but I do it my own, own way. Yeah, you do that, but you don't have to straight up copy some gimmick. Like I've seen people straight up jack a, a wrestling gimmick, and I've seen somebody take a WWE made entrance theme song and use it as their theme song in an indie show. Yeah. How they did not get sued for that, I do not know. But it's like, how are you going to use Drew McIntyre's theme song and come out to that? Yeah. Well, I, I guess it probably happens so much that it's hard for WWE to really keep on top of every time that gets uh, every time that gets done. But I guess that's why you see, you know, the cream rise to the top sort of thing. You know, you can see those who are willing to go that extra effort whether it's you know traveling across the country as you do or you know making your own theme music or you know do, do you design your own ring gear as well or... yeah um i don't make it but i have uh i draw my own logos and stuff and i got this guy in alabama jack lord he does fantastic work um i think his company is called bombaware um and you know i send him my logos and stuff and tell him what i want and he gets it done matter and that's what i want that's good nothing so, against the, nothing against the people that take months but i can't afford to have wait yeah. weeks for gear i'll probably wait three or four but anything past that i can't do it yeah so i mean your artistic side does uh did that start at school and college or was that something that just came to you as time went on i guess the my my ideas for my gear well, yeah, I, I, your artistic side for your gear and sort of and the rapping as well. Did uh, was that something that was, you know, did you take music at school or was that just something, you know, from, I guess your interests and hobbies, sort of thing. Yeah, the artistic kind of flowed with the rap because the rap and wrestling was my escape. You know, when I was having personal issues, I put it on paper. Yeah, and then I'd go perform, and then straight from there I'd be you know drawing shit out like stories. So I use some of that. If I have a vision of, you know, how I want a promo to look or what type of gear I want, I'll draw it out. And then, you know, I'll send it to one of my guys and they just, I'll put it in their hands and 99% of the time they do what I want. Cool. 
Who, what, what, what kind of venues did you perform at when you were rapping? Uh, nightclubs like the Shakas at the beach, um, Peabody's, primarily nightclubs and a little bit of strip clubs. Ah, uh, what were the strip clubs like? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, was pretty, that was pretty wild over there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it was. So, I mean, you were doing this in front of a lot of people then as well. Yeah, it all depends on what day of the week you're going down there, what time, what venue you're going to. There was times where I did in 50, 10, hundreds, a couple hundreds. Uh, uh, time I performed actually at the beach, and those were thousands. But I'm pretty sure they weren't just paying attention to me because there were other shit going on too. But nonetheless, you know, you're having a microphone on the beach and you're rapping. It's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. No, true. That is, you know, again, you know, I, I don't rap, obviously, but, um, you know, as a musician, it's hard to, if you're, like, playing a venue um, and it's very loud or whatever, just to get them to take notice of you when you're on stage, um, it, you know, it can be really hard. And, uh, obviously, you know, you've broken through that barrier sort of thing and, uh, you know, how to get the attention on you. Um which which can only be a good thing, really. Um, so when uh, when you uh, do promos and you know as part of your character as well, do you use part of your you know? Because I, I think it's always been said that some of the greatest characters or greatest wrestlers are extensions of themselves, and there is a slight bit of truth in there, especially if you're a heel as well. Uh, so do you use you know? parts of your personal life and parts of growing up to sort of motivate how you act in front of people and how you project your character, like anger and that's stuff exactly, like that. Yeah. Kind of, I'm kind of a little bit scared you just said that because that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, a lot of people force force the shit and it's like, don't force anything. Yeah. Because not only will I be able to tell, the vegetable will tell, but Crowd will be able to tell a sports too. You want to make sure everything's natural and how you're actually feeling at this moment. Yeah. Like when I'm going out there and I'm a baby and I'm working a heel that's bigger than me, like, all right, well, this ain't nothing new to me. I've had to fight people bigger my whole life, so this is another fight. And then I use that in the ring. It's like, all right, well, this is a big bitch, but I'm going to end up cutting him down and prevailing at the end. Now, if I'm a heel, now I'm like, all right, well, this guy doesn't got crap on me, so I'm going to dance around, maybe show how athletic I am and then. You know, beat them one, two, three, but that never happens. I, I don't make it my ass kick. <laughs> well, you know, give it time. You just need a sneaky heel manager like Mr. Fuji to stop throwing salt in the eyes, and then you'll uh, start racking up the victories. Um, so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun having you on the show. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, Facebook, Urban Legend Bertucci was probably most popular. Uh, I, I don't really use the Urban Legend Wrestler page anymore, but if you want to... Look up for follow-ups. You can hit me up on there, too. And then Instagram is uh, Urban Legend Official. Is my and then my Twitter is UrbanLegend93. Okay, well, I'll be posting links uh, below the show. Look, thank you for doing this because, um, you know, you didn't really know me before this. And, uh, you know, I... You know, I was lucky enough to have Leilani get in contact. And, uh, you know, you're an awesome dude. And uh, you doing an amazing thing as well and hopefully i'll get to see you perform uh at some point hopefully you know you'll start maybe even touring internationally which would be pretty awesome i'm sure that's something that you would love to do oh hell yeah okay so we've got some questions from uh some listeners as well which is pretty cool um amanda gurnett 
asks, what has been your biggest struggle in life? Um, probably I would have to say staying focused and uh, making people believe in me. Like I've always believed in myself, but you know, anytime I wanted to do something, you know, a lot of people don't believe in me because I guess my size and I have to prove them wrong. Um, that's one of my biggest struggles in life. And just, you know, I guess staying on the, staying, not staying relevant, but being talked about and keep, you know, persevering, uh, persevering every single time. Yeah. You know, no matter how tough stuff gets, I always want to come up on, come out on top. So that has to be my toughest, uh, toughest thing. Well, it's, it's something, I mean, it must get, um, I guess, uh, exhausting as well because you have to be conscious of this all the time. It's not like, uh, you know, if you miss days at the gym or something like that, you know, that is something that would affect you or if you miss, you know, training or whatever or you miss, um, you know, you can't miss a show because it could end up, you know, bad for your reputation and stuff like that. You know, it must be a 24-7 thing and um, it must be a lot of stress. Yeah, it's definitely uh, but a lot of dating, say the least. Gym, work, wrestling. But a lot of fun as well, you know. I'm sure, you, you know, obviously, you know, you have an end uh, goal in sight, but, um, and you are definitely paying your dues at the moment, but I'm sure that you are probably, you know, the happiest that you've ever been because you're living your dream. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, um, yes, you mentioned, uh, Roddy Mack before as well. And, uh, Ryan Pulliam, see, I, I, I don't know the story, so you're going to have to tell me. He asks, uh, what's one very big message you want to send to Rodney Mack? So did you have a match against him at one point? Oh. No, I mean, I actually got in a fight. Uh, Holy shit. Okay. So locking one of the shows and, you know, we're going to end up having a match down the line. It's going to happen. I might have to pay a visit to Louisiana to do it, but. It's going to happen. Um, what The biggest message I want to send to Rodney Mack is always listening. And I'm not scared of you at all. Like, I know what you've done. I know where you've been. But don't think for one second that it's going to, like, hinder my chances or intimidate me because I'm not intimidated by anybody. Absolutely. Yeah, what happened? Uh, was it – were you meant to – you weren't meant to wrestle them, but obviously there was a disagreement. Uh, yeah, it was just a, I bumped into him. We started throwing hands. and I, Of course, I shed the shit out of it because I'm trying to get a book. Yeah. So, the dude's a tough dude, man. Like, oh, he's big, he's solid, you know. So. Yeah, well, fuck Rodney Mac. <laughs> Um, okay well what what do you want to say to uh, your fans and listeners as well Um, I appreciate you guys you know always supporting me checking my matches sharing my stuff and you know I'm hoping I'm going to have more merchandise out soon get some t-shirts made or something I just want to thank you guys for always supporting me and doing that for me do do you have merch online at the moment do I have what do you have merchandise online at the moment? Or? Uh, not online, but I do have Urban Legend wristbands. Awesome, awesome. And I'm sure that if anyone wants to maybe order as well, they can just contact you on Facebook. Or... Yeah, definitely. 
I was about, well, look, we're going to have to do part two because I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. And, you know, at the rate that you're going as well, in a year's time, one, you're going to have so many more stories. And two, you're just going to be, you know, in the stratosphere somewhere. Uh, so I'm really glad that, uh, you know, we've been able to make this connection. And hopefully this is something that we can revisit um, at some point soon. Yeah, definitely. We can definitely advertise part two, you know, one day and set up a date and do a follow-up or something. That sounds great, man. Okay, let's catch up soon. No doubt. Thanks, man.
that was Doubtful Sound by LA Band The Armouries. And The Armouries, not only will they be hosting the gig that I play out in LA, uh, they are playing the International Pop Overthrow, and we will be hosting the gig, Toxic Melons, um, on the 20th of May that they will be taking part of. And that's our EP launcher, Bar Loco, in Newcastle. Um, we haven't played like many gigs, and it all seems to be coming along at once, which is very nice. I like to be kept busy. Uh, you know, especially when you were when you're basically a self-employed, unsigned, you know, musician that makes niche um, music that you know doesn't appeal to many people. Any work is good work, basically. So yes, um, and I really enjoyed doing this podcast as well, especially when I have guests like Irvin Legend. Uh, he was very accommodating, and uh, it was a great interview as well. And I feel like we barely scratched the surface of uh, what we're going to talk about in the future because at, at this pace. In a year's time, who knows where he could be? You know, he could be in NXT. He could be traveling the world. Um, yeah, he's he's a really cool dude, and uh, I want to thank him for being a part of the show. Upcoming, as part of Pablo's Popman Podcast, uh, and this is a first time announcement as well. Uh, I usually announce these first on the Pablo's Pop Podcast page, but uh, you're getting this uh, exclusive because I think it would be relevant to the wrestling audience that will listen to the show. Um, myself, I, I have a monthly podcast as well as this weekly podcast um, called Turnchuckle, and I host that with Colin Delaney, uh, who you may remember from the WWE version of ECW around 2007-2008. He's really awesome. Like, I interviewed him for the podcast, and we ended up not talking about his career, because we just nerded out over old wrestling, especially WrestleMania 9, which again is a, a, you know, a WrestleMania that doesn't have the best reputation, but I love it. 93... 97 and probably 84 are my three favorite wrestling years uh, and we do talk a lot about that kind of stuff so the last episode uh, our special guest was uh top indie name david Starr, who is currently you know he, as well as wrestling all over europe and the states he has uh he's wrestled a couple of matches in tna and he's doing stuff for ring of honor now and he just has star potential uh and he's he's a really cool dude um and we had a lot of fun and uh the next episode i our special guest will be dalton castle who if you are familiar with ring of honor um you'll be familiar with this uh amazing character uh, and his uh, amazing ring gear you know he looks like a peacock and he has the boys with him um you know so it should be a lot of fun really looking forward to it um as with regards to Pablo's Pop and Podcast, um, I have, of course, I mentioned it before, Leilani Kai will be a guest coming up. Uh, submit your questions on the Pablo's Pop and Podcast Facebook page <coughs> as he coughs. Um, I've done okay this time, you know, I'm, I'm, the hay fever's kicking in, it's spring, spring is my favourite time of year, by the way, but, uh, you know, the hay fever, the sinus problems, etc, but I think I've done okay, uh, I, I haven't coughed in your ears this time, which is pretty good, uh, so yes, Lilani Kai is coming up, and also legendary, legendary lady wrestler, Susan Green, if you're familiar with the, you know, um, 70s and 80s uh, wrestling. She still wrestles now, I believe. Uh, she, oh, she has wrestled until very, re very recently. Uh, but she's an all-time legend, former NWA Ladies Champion and NWA Tag Team Champion. And both reigns were not recognized by the NWA. So as well as other stuff, we'll be going into why that is the case. Uh, do submit your questions for for her. Um, who else have we got coming up? Oh, yes. Um, 
as you know, I'm an old school WWF fan in particular, and uh, I have the good fortune to be interviewing Jameson. Uh, now, if you remember the old primetime wrestling shows, Jameson was kind of kind of a Mr. Bean character. I think I think that's the best way to put it. Um, and yes, he and he also managed the Bushwhackers, probably most notably at Royal Rumble '92. So I will be interviewing Jameson. So I'm really really excited about that. Um, Jameson's son, whose career seems to be taken off, he's only 12 years old, but uh, you may have seen, or you may remember him from, uh, I believe it was a cage match uh, with John Cena and Bray Wyatt, and he was the child who was at the door who started singing he's got the whole world in his hands, and it was really freaky. Uh, that was Jameson's son. Mind-blowing stuff. So yes, really, really looking forward to that. Um, again, thank you for listening to this episode. Do check through the archives uh, for past wrestling episodes. You know, I'd like to cover... Uh, a reasonable variety of uh, of stuff, but um, you know, I'm, I'm probably most at home talking about you know WWF from 1993 and all the crazy gimmicks, etc. You know, you you just need to see my collection. I'm thinking of starting a YouTube channel uh, to review parts of the collection because it is insane. Um, and you know, it's putting the collection to good work, and uh, hopefully, you know, maybe even paying some bills with the revenue from video streams. I've got a friend that does it, um, and you know, I don't want to blow my own horn but my collection is probably i mean it's it's maybe bigger but it's probably a lot more niche and it may interest some people so would you like to see that would you like to see that would you like to see my beautiful face on video um if you do or even if you don't i'm probably still going to do it anyway so you know there we are so yes again thank you to Irvin, and i shall see you all next week goodbye goodbye goodbye, goodbye. goodbye.